Why do people reject God's existence? There may be as many reasons as there are atheists, but we look at several that we think rise to the top. Welcome to The Unapologetic Show, where we make the case for why Christianity still makes sense in a world of doubt with near-apostate and now pastor and apologist Dr. Bobby Conway. I'm your host, Tim Hall. Now, there are several reasons that we think people are atheists, but if you have any comments or you have any thoughts about why people might be atheists, let us know in the comments. Bobby, I thought it would be good for uh, you perhaps to to lay the groundwork in this conversation, and maybe it will double as our first reason. What what has the claim of many gods and, and the movement of our culture away from spirituality, kind of post-enlightenment, played in people being atheist? That's a good question, Tim. One of the things that I would say is the reasons that I'm giving, it might not necessarily uh, refer to just atheists. It could be agnostics. Uh, it might be even people who have various new age beliefs. So it's not atheism specifically, but certainly many of these reasons would fit those who would aspire or ascribe, I should say, to atheism. I do think that in a post enlightenment world, uh, there were people who sought to find a scientific explanation for everything. And this would obviously be the belief of scientism. And that is the belief that science can answer everything. Uh, But that is not uh, necessarily true, as we know. I mean, obviously, this claim that science answers everything is not a scientific claim. So it's kind of self-refuting on that front. Now, uh, to the Point with many gods. Some have said statements like, oh, there's too many gods to choose from to know which one to believe in. And this could create an agnostic problem. So you might have some who are open to belief in God, but they don't know where to begin. They haven't heard maybe a good sound argument. Uh, as it relates to atheists, uh, though they would certainly not leverage the argument that there's too many gods to choose from to know which one to believe, they do have sentiments that they'll say things like this. Richard Dawkins in his God Delusion wrote, we are all atheists about most of the gods that humanity has ever believed in. Some of us just go one God further. Christopher Hitchens, uh, who was one of the new atheists who passed away several years ago, said, since it is obviously conceivable that all religions are right, the most reasonable conclusion is that they are all wrong. Now, there is a problem with that statement, and it's this, since it is obviously conceivable that all religions are right, I would say that even those of us who are believers would recognize quickly that it's not conceivable that all religions are right. So when you take, for example, the coexist bumper sticker that we've seen at different times on different cars, uh, we know that that doesn't work because these different belief systems have contradictory claims. So it's not conceivable that all religions are right, and Christians do their work on arriving philosophically at theism, and then they look at the case for the resurrection of Jesus Christ in order to have a more robust argument for God's existence. Now, Tim, you know I spent some time last month or earlier this month uh, working through Charles Taylor and his book, A Secular Age. He's a philosopher. This is quite the tome. You're talking 900 pages. And his book 
offers some help as it relates to this first point. Oh man, there's just so many gods out there. Uh, What Taylor sought to do in his book, A Secular Age, is he was wanting to understand why is it that 500 years ago, it was inconceivable to not believe in God. And now fast forward 500 years later, where you have many people who struggle to remain believing in God and many people who might claim that they're comfortable believing that God doesn't exist. He even begins sharing by about the Reformation era, how that began to help the world be less enchanted. Uh, for example, uh, before the Reformation took place, uh, Taylor talks about how the world was enchanted. I mean, people had relics. They were going to the priest in order to do confession, you know, believing in transubstantiation. All of this uh, made it very easy for people uh, to believe in God. The culture, so to speak, was porous. Uh, Taylor talks about how it was open. But today he says, now the culture is buffered and it's buffered from a sense that it's it's closed off to belief in God. Mm. But what Taylor says that's interesting is he talks about the idea of being cross-pressured, Tim. And what he means by that is there are those who are buffered uh, in that they have closed themselves off from belief in God, and they believe in a materialistic explanation, yet they wonder if there's something more, if there's something bigger to the world than what meets the eye. And so today we're living in a culture uh, where he talks about this Nova effect, where there's a bursting of beliefs that has transpired. And as a result, that has also caused those who believe in the transcendent to be confused or wonder, well, man, how do I know I got the right belief in the right God with so many options that are available to me? And so we know as Christians that we can leverage arguments for God's existence to narrow the playing field tremendously in order to arrive at theism. And that can kind of dismiss several of the options. And once you get at theism, there's not a whole lot of options left. I mean, you've got deism, which is a version of theism. You have Islam, Judaism, Christianity. Obviously, Christianity doesn't struggle with Judaism. We just believe that Christ fulfills the old covenant uh, in his death, burial, and resurrection. And then you might have like a belief like Sikhism. So all that to say, uh, this is one reason that people who struggle to believe in God might give. There's just too many options on offer to know where to begin. Yeah, I think I think that's that's an excellent point and kind of a great picture of just, you know, our history and where our cultures come from and how our culture has influenced kind of some of the beliefs and I think that goes to our second point here is uh, you know, that some people, some non-believers grew up in a home that taught them that God doesn't exist. And now again, this is just the idea of kind of carrying on culture. So, you know, the same thing can be said of Christians sometimes that like that the reason that people might believe is because they grew up in a Christian home. So, talk to us a little bit more about how you know one's home life uh, can affect their belief in God particularly. Absolutely. Now, we don't want to be guilty of committing the genetic fallacy that basically says a belief is wrong because of, you know, where it derived from. Uh, so the truth of a belief uh, stands uh, outside of one's home context, right? It's not just forced into that mold. Right. Uh, it is true that sometimes people are influenced to be 
a Muslim or an atheist or a Christian because of the household that they grew up in. Uh, but these are people relating to this particular objection. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, they might not have this felt need to search out for another belief. Uh, they're contentment. They saw it modeled by the way that their parents raised them. So if they grew up in an atheist home, perhaps they heard the tireless refrain, God is like Santa Claus. Uh, but we have strong evidence, right, Tim, that Santa Claus does not exist. Uh, we know where the gifts come from. So uh, we can obviously argue uh, you know, against such a belief. Now, according to uh, a social, psychological, and personality science, uh, which was a study published there, it shows that the number one predictive factor for the American child becoming an atheist is actually like you're talking about growing up in a home with little religion or little religious activity. So this can obviously be an influence, but we know atheists who uh, have kind of come out of atheism, looking at the evidence for Christianity. I'm thinking of people like Josh McDowell or uh, Jay Warner Wallace uh, or Lee Strobel. These are people who were professed atheists, did their homework, and came to believe. According to one surveyor named Will Gervais, he said so many people seem really convinced that they are atheists because they are super rational and science-minded, but large-scale quantitative research basically never shows that to be a major predictor of atheism. Now, that's ironic because that's often what we hear from those that are atheists. They're just following the science. Uh, nevertheless, if they're just following the science, uh, what does that say about the second law of thermodynamics or the expansion of the universe, uh, both which would point to the universe having a beginning. So yes, I think that this is an objection that people give, but once again, it's not something that is irrefutable to us as Christians. Yeah, I think that's an important point. And something else that, you know, you said in the very beginning that we can reiterate is that these aren't necessarily like arguments that people are giving. They're not like they're, you know, well thought out case for atheism. We're just kind of drawing sure. on some of the observations some and some of the research that, you know, that that you have uh, looked at and that I've looked at in our experience. And we're kind of just making some generalizations. So, you know, again, I wouldn't take these to an atheist and be like, well, you believe only because, you know, you grew up in a parents. That would be the genetic fallacy as you're describing. Well, let's move on to number three, because I, th I think that is, uh, I wanted to highlight that before we jump to number three, uh, that some people don't believe in God because they don't think they they need him. Now, again, this may not be something that people openly articulate, but it, it's an implication or an inference based on uh, some different observations. So lay those observations out for us. In some ways, Tim, I think that people want to steer their own ship. Another word for this would be pride. Hmm. I, I think it's difficult for people, and that's the foolishness of the gospel that we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, there is a foolishness to it. It requires us to admit defeat, that we are helpless in and of ourselves to please God. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, Karl Marx uh, of communism uh, talked about how religion is the opium of the masses. Uh, Nietzsche uh, believed that, you know, we were just, you know, a part of a slave morality, that morality was put in place and the priestly class would use morality to control the masses. Uh, nevertheless, uh, while there might be some truth that people do use more moral codes and stuff like that to try to control civilization, it doesn't mean that the moral code 
is not real. It just might mean that it is abused by those who have power. Uh, I would say uh, Sigmund Freud speaks to this sentiment. He said, religion is nothing but a crutch. And this reflects this sentiment. Years ago, uh, when I was uh, married to my wife, early in our relationship, I started sharing the gospel with her father. And he talked about how Christianity is a crutch. And I thought, from my perspective, is a guy who'd been pretty licked by life through alcoholism and promiscuity and all the partying that I did. Uh, I was happy to, you know, say, and I'm defeated. I can't figure out how to live on my own. So Christianity is a crutch. Uh, I'm okay with recognizing that I can't walk on my own. That doesn't sit well for some people, Tim. Uh, but my father-in-law, what was great is I took him to a Promise Keepers event many, many years ago, and he ended up recognizing that he too walks with a lamp, and he went forward to receive Jesus Christ. So he was able to get around that whole concept and realize that, hey, you know what? If we have a God that loves us, he's created us, he set up a moral standard by which we are to live, and all of us have blown it, yet through Jesus Christ and his accomplishment on the cross, we have a remedy. Why would we reject that just because we want to be able to kind of, you know, act like we don't need him. If God is the creator, then we do need our creator. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with admitting that. But if we struggle believing that God's the creator, then I understand why somebody uh, wouldn't want to give their life to a fiction. But as Christians, we don't believe God is a fiction. And we believe that God is truth. Yeah, I mean, what a powerful story of your father-in-law. And on some level, that's yeah. kind of all of our stories. I mean, all of us can relate to that when, you know, when we put God first or when we have pride in our lives or or there's idols and, and we say, well, this is really more important than even just the pursuit of, of Christianity. Uh, before we, we jump to our fourth reason, I wanted to remind our audience that this is a, a listener-supported show. We would covet your uh, support both in prayer and if you're able to make a financial contribution, you can do that at oneminuteapologist.com slash forum. And if you are checking out this on the radio and you want to listen to it again, you can head on over to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash one minute apologist. While you're there, subscribe, like this video, and you can also get this as an audio only podcast. So I wanted to just let everybody know that. Uh, I, I think this next one, uh, perhaps from the conversations that I've had, might be up there towards the top of, of reasons that people cite or, or just their kind of general feeling. And that's that some people don't believe in God because they were wounded by people that do. There, there, there's a history of, um, you know, kind of, uh, moral failings in the church and, and kind of even just in the last, you know, 20 to 30 years, there's been some things that have come to light, particularly with the Catholic Church and even in the, you know, Southern Baptist Convention of abuse and sexual abuse. And so, you know, people will really often cite this as kind of a major one. I've having, been having a conversation with someone uh, who's a Christian and he's saying, hey, I think we need to address this as Christians a lot more. We need to be honest about kind of some of the shortcomings of the church because it's a big reason that he sees people are kind of walking away. Talk to us a little bit more about this fourth reason here, Bobby. On one level, I mean, we're really getting at hypocrisy, and yeah. you'll have some people who uh, profess to be Christians and aren't. You'll have others who are Christians, but they're not living like a Christian. Uh, but the whole idea of hypocrisy, uh, there is a standard implied in the idea of hypocrisy. Uh, so somebody's failing to live up to the standard that they 
profess uh, to believe in. And that can be very problematic. And we need to realize that that creates a black eye for the church. And so a lot of people will have a bad church experience or a relational encounter with a believer, or they leave a church without a satisfying answer. And this creates frustration. It creates hurt in people's lives. I mean, Gandhi, uh, you know, has been talked about saying, you know, I I like your uh, Christ. I just don't like your Christians. And that's a really sad indictment toward the church. I think people get wounded uh, because they don't feel like they can ask questions. Uh, Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, uh, shares a story before he became a Zen Buddhist. When he was younger, he was brought to church and he came to Sunday school class and he raised his hand uh, and he asked a question in Sunday school and he held up a magazine uh, with uh, with uh, a picture on the front of it was starving kids from Biafra, Africa. And it was a life magazine. And he said, does God care about these people? And the person leading the Sunday school said, yes, God cares about them. Uh, but, you know, we, he didn't give a good apologetic answer. He just kind of minimized Steve Jobs' question. And instead of being equipped to deal with the problem of suffering and evil in the world, Steve Jobs, because this answer wasn't given from this person leading the uh, Sunday school class, he would leave and he would ultimately become a Zen Buddhist. Uh, He was wounded at the thought that there would be Christians who would believe in a God that would allow so much starvation to take place in Biafra. Well, and that story from Steve Jobs leads us right into our our next point that some people don't believe in God because they've never heard of him. So talk to us, you know, kind of expand on that a little bit more. Like, wh- what is the answer to that question? And, and why might that influence some people to, to just not believe? I think that there are, um, you know, people that exist in a place known as the 1040 window, for example, Tim. Yeah. Uh, that is the most unreached people group uh, in the world. And they've never heard. And so it's not that they're not open to believing. They've just never heard about the Christian claims. Uh, There are others that are willing to believe, but they remain shrouded in ignorance. Uh, Even here in America, I was shrouded in ignorance until I was 19. Never heard the gospel. So there are many people, even on our own home turf, that just haven't heard. It doesn't mean that they won't believe. It doesn't mean they're not open to believing. It just means we've got to get the gospel to them. But when we bring the gospel to them, it's important that we come equipped. And churches need to be doing good apologetic training in order to help people to know how to give a defense. Now, this does bring up the question, what about those who have never heard? Mm. And that's a fair question. That's the kind of question that a Steve Jobs would ask, right, in a Sunday school. But there's an answer for that. We do believe that God will hold people accountable for the knowledge and the revelation that they do have. So in Psalm 19 or in Romans 1, we see that Everybody has general revelation, right? The fact that God created the universe. Where did this universe come from? That everybody has the moral law that is built in, that they can recognize the difference between right and wrong, that they recognize and realize that there is a moral standard. And then bringing the gospel brings special revelation to people. Uh, In the event that somebody in the 1040 window was to say, God, I don't know who you are, but I believe you created the universe and I believe you're good, and I believe I'm not, 
please forgive me. And by faith, I'm going to trust in you. Uh, I would see that there would be room, just like people under the old covenant outside of Israel, like Job, uh, who could be a believer because they believed in the evidence that they did have. But some would say, well, wouldn't that eliminate the need for the cross? No, it would be uh, the application of the cross being applied to them, even though they have not been made uh, aware of what that particular information piece is yet. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on to our last one. We have about four minutes to kind of discuss, uh, you know, how some people conclude that it's easier to just be unified with different people groups by not believing in God versus taking a particular stance, perhaps your your your, your golden retriever personality type, as one might yeah. say. So, so talk to us a little bit more about this. Exactly. The golden retriever personality type is great. I mean, this is a peacemaker personality uh, that they don't want to ruffle feathers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some may believe that by believing in God, they will inevitably pit themselves against others. And yet not believing doesn't leave you without beliefs, right? It just leaves you uh, with, you know, unspoken beliefs. Uh, But people may not like those either, right? The the beliefs that people have that are unspoken. They can see the way that somebody lives that maybe doesn't claim to believe in God. Uh, They can't assume that just by not believing in God, they're not going to have conflict. Ultimately, uh, if we have peace with people and not God, that's a tremendous loss. So I think it's important for us uh, to encourage people to recognize that, yeah, Jesus does draw a line in the sand. He does call us to take up a cross. Uh, It will create division in our relationships. Uh, But that's not exclusively for the Christian. Uh, The the agnostic is going to bump into problems with people. The atheist is going to bump into problems with people. The Muslim is going to bump into problems with people. People bump into problems with people because we're people. And so to not believe in God, if he's the creator, just because we don't want to have to take a stand is being weak, right? I mean, God would never want us to be so weak spined that we're not willing to stand for him. In fact, I think we need to realize that if Jesus was willing to die on a cross for us, and if that indeed is true and he rose from the grave, then certainly we should be willing to live for him. And that will mean rejection. And that's hard. We're living in a culture right now. As you know, full well, Tim, this is not an easy time for Christians to be vocal about their faith. Uh, They can be canceled. They could be rejected. People might not be interested in hearing what we have to say, but we need to be uh, proud of Jesus. I mean, in, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, you know, Jesus said, if you confess me before man, I will confess you before my father who is in heaven. Yeah. If you deny me before man, I will deny you before my father who is in heaven. Paul in Romans 1 16 said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God and the salvation for those who believe. So when we wrap all this up uh, again, it's not one of these reasons that some airtight argument, and as you said, so happily, these aren't necessarily even arguments. They're just, you know, lip service that people might give for why they don't believe in God. Some might give multiple uh, reasons that we just listed for why they don't believe in God. But what people really need to get at is uh, why don't they believe that Jesus rose from the grave? 
Like explain that evidence away. Why don't they believe that there is a creator of the universe? Explain that evidence away. Uh, why don't they believe that morality can be objectively grounded? Uh, explain that evidence away. And so we can concede some of these things. Yes, people grow up in homes that make it more difficult. Some people have never heard. Some people, uh, you know, are wounded by the church, but those are no reasons in and of themselves. Jesus was wounded by the people who would make up the initial part of the church. His disciples abandoned him on the night he was betrayed, but he did not let that stop him from believing in the message of the truth and the church that he was going to begin. He went after them, even though they denied him. Amen. Well said, Bobby. Um, so next week on next week's episode, we are going to look at some more reasons uh, similar in vain to some of these. So uh, we're hoping that people will join us for that. And Again, if you have uh, comments that you'd want to make, please let us know. Leave those in the comments under this video, and we would love to uh, mention maybe some of those in future shows. And with that, we will meet you next time on The Unapologetic Show. You've been listening to Unapologetic with Dr. Bobby Conway, the one-minute apologist. I am your host, Tim Hall. Be sure to listen to Bobby on Pastor's Perspective Monday through Thursday, as well as like, share, and subscribe to the One Minute Apologist YouTube channel, where we have over 1,000 videos. We would also like to remind you that this is a listener-supported program. We would greatly appreciate your support in any amount so we could continue to provide this ministry. If you would like to be a part of our team in any capacity, please visit our website at OneMinuteApologist.com. And while you're there, check out all of Bobby's books, courses, and even invite him to speak at your church or event. Thank you for listening to Unapologetic, where we defend truth without compromise. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa.